After experiencing the transformative power of a regular meditation practice, it's natural to feel inspired to share this gift and guide others on their own journey of discovery through meditation. Join Buddhist teacher David Nickturn and Duncan Trussell, comedian and creator of the Netflix animated series The Midnight Gospel, for a free online event on Tuesday, May 7th at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. They'll discuss the profound practices of mindfulness Dharma Moon's renowned Mindfulness Meditation Teacher Training Program. Get certified by Dharma Moon to teach meditation, lead group practice sessions, and work with individual students. Visit dharmamoon.com slash beherenow for more info and to reserve your spot for the free online event with David Nickturn and Duncan Trussell. Welcome to Mind Rolling, another podcast from Raghu Marcus. And David Silver. Hello. Hi. Hi, Dave. Hi. Here we are again with another location mind rolling experience. Yeah. This, this time with the, uh, the great Sharon Salzberg. Um, inimitable. Inimitable, yes, yes. Is that a uh, good word, right word? It's, it's a hard word to say, but it's a great word, yeah. What does it and mean? Just, it means that she's not imitatable, I think. That's the way I've always... Really? Sort of, yeah, inimitable kind of really is unimitatable. Uh, and, and someone invented a word to make it easier for us. Anyway, she is that. And, uh, you know, we, we don't want to talk too much about her because it, it speaks free. Once you hear her, you'll know. If you haven't heard Sharon, she's extraordinarily lucid and to the point, and yet is one of the most respected, uh, you know, Eastern philosophy teachers in the United States, if not the globe. Buddhist. So, Buddhist, yes. So, um, Buddhist. Uh, so you should take a listen to that, and, um, you know, uh, I, think, I think you'll enjoy it because we enjoyed it. Uh, we, we did it outside at the retreat where we also worked with Krishnadas and Ramdas and Mirabai Bush, and we were just so thrilled to get these four really eminent people to talk to us. Uh, in one place at one time. We didn't get Ramdas to talk to us. We, we didn't keep get Ramdas saying that, but no, we didn't, we didn't get Ramdas. Because he, he talked to us privately, but yes. we, he he didn't talk to us on mind rolling. Although he's going to do that, yeah. Uh, so that that's coming. But he was one of the teachers there, and and it was a great experience. But I think you'll get an equal amount of uh, great info and wisdom out of what what Sharon says. Yeah, we. I. I'll just to let you know uh, an interesting anecdote. Uh, hopefully, uh, we had some friends. My wife and I, my lovely wife Saraswati, had some friends come from our little town, who were quite new to everything. You have friends? Okay. So we have two. Okay, and they came. Okay, good. To the to the event and to the retreat. <laughs> And never saw Sharon before, and um, they were just bubbling over at uh, just because she's so direct about you know uh, her knowledge of the teachings of the Buddhist teachings is so expansive and huge, but she manages to give it to you through her own experience in a way that is like syrup rather than, um, you know, tough, arcane stuff. So she's just fabulous. So uh, let's not um, 
uh, talk any more about her virtues because you will absolutely hear it. Just, just in, in her manner and tone of voice, it's just wonderful. Uh, and uh, we want to thank everyone for supporting us. Uh, we're, we've been talking about our three-month or so anniversary of getting this podcast going and how thrilled we are with the community that's developing around it. And uh, that's got to be the one, one of the most, uh, would you not say, satisfact- it's just satisfying things to meet it people. Is. It is. We get we get feedback too. I mean, uh, uh, lots of folks have, have written to us, and uh, you know, it, it, it's just incredible to have people ask us questions, which is nice, but also give us all kinds of information themselves uh, about the subject at hand. We like that, and yeah. we we encourage you to uh, to hit the comment part of the Mind Rolling Podcast uh, website and 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 write to us because uh, that's one of the ways in which we can sort of modulate this and, and make it better. Yeah. And uh, as, as part of the support, we do have a couple of sponsors. We have Amazon, which we are newly affiliated with, and we are an affiliate. So if you just go through our portal, boy, you can help uh, support what we're doing here. This is all listener-supported, community-supported, and uh, Amazon, because everybody buys something from Amazon, that's for sure. So if you go through our portal, we get a little percentage. If you go through our portal uh, to Audible, uh, uh, it'll be going to audible.com, but basically audibletrial.com slash mindrolling, if you just go to that site um, and sign up and get a free audio book, and we get... uh, we get our 15 bucks for everybody who signs up. That helps us. Or go to the donate button directly on the site. Um, and, and again, we appreciate you. And David, with no further ado, is that? Yeah, that's perfect. Let's, let's listen to uh, Sharon Salzberg. Well, here we are, mind rolling on the road at the Open Your Heart Retreat in Maui. And uh, David and I managed to escape you out of New York, actually. You weren't even going to come. And we're sitting here with Sharon Salzberg, who is one of the teachers at the retreat. I sort of serve a, I have a double identity here of doing this mind rolling thing with Dave and also helping uh, present this retreat, this wonderful offering that everybody's seems to be having a great time now. Mm-hmm, I'd say, yeah. And uh, some wonderful teachings and information for people, so it's been really great. You know, some of the things that we've been talking about when we first started doing this thing was about what were the initial transformations that led us to even be open to hearing of, 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 of the teachings that we've taken apart in, from the East. And, you know, we have similar paths because yeah. of music. You know, we've been involved mm-hmm. in music together for a long time and partners doing all sorts of things. And uh, we both had real strong music. Mine was um, John Coltrane, when I was 15 years old, played my favorite things in a club in New York. I don't know how I got into it, but mm. I had my first real transcendental kind of an experience. And it wasn't even enhanced. <laughs> so young, so. Uh, and David, similar I can't believe that. Are you serious? In Montreal, that wasn't happening. I'm okay, sorry I to tell you. Is that true? Yeah. No, it wasn't until I, 1920 before I even smoked pot or something. That's not true. Is that true? Yeah, that's true. That's absolutely true. We can true. spend so. this whole time saying, is that true? <laughs> <laughs> that's what is that really true? true? Yeah. Are you sure? Well, I'm just um, trying to be So, um, can you tell us a little bit, like, when you were around then, and, I mean, we also talked about, obviously, the next step was psychedelics. That gave us the 
alternate reality that things could be different and we I put it one way he puts it another I could be happy that could happen. <laughs> so what were the things that, that uh, happened to you around there that gave mm. you the idea you, maybe you could be happy and there was something that lit you up before you went to India? Before I went to India? Yeah. Um, well, probably the pivotal reason I went to India was this Asian philosophy course I took in college, which honestly, as far as I can remember, it was really happenstance. It was like, oh, I need a, I need a philosophy course because it's a requirement. Right. I need like a Tuesday course because that would be good. And let me take an Asian philosophy course. And then there it was. It was all laid out. Um, it turned out to really be a course in Buddhism. And uh, for all the you know, casual manner in which I chose it, it, it totally changed my life. So it was just like, oh, uh, I could be happier, perhaps. And there are means. There's actually a way. There's a path. You know, it's not maybe so much that some people are... It's not so much that happiness is given unto some people. The rest of us are out of luck. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, there's a path. Let me see if I can find it. Yeah. How long was it that's still kind of a, a struggle between your past life and that, that sort of series of revelations? Was there a, another period after that when you were not quite in that place, but still not in that place? No, not really, because I, um, the university I was going to, State University of New York in Buffalo, right. uh, had this independent study program. So I, I did the uh, Asian philosophy course when I was a sophomore, and I um, applied right away to the independent study program to, in effect, spend my junior year abroad. That's what it was. And if you created a project that they liked, you could go anywhere in the world, theoretically just for a year. So I said, I want to go to India and study meditation. And they said, Okay, so off I went. So it was pretty quick. That's, you know? that's right. kind of remarkable, really, that it came from a university. Because most people actually don't seem to answer that way. You know, I'm sure not. Well, <laughs> what, you know, but you, it was much more study, and then. Well, it was like a hearing transmission. You know, I just—it's almost like I've been waiting. You know, I just was waiting to hear the words that yeah. this is possible. Yeah. So. Yeah. Was yeah. psychedelics ever involved, though, around Yeah, I, I went to school in 68. I went to college in 68, sure. So that was a part But I wouldn't say that that was really, like, what made me feel happiness was possible. I mean, it was, it was but not did that. But it, it opened up that world up, the, the world of connectivity, that there, we are way more connected than in that kind of thing that acid does? Um, yeah, to some extent, yeah. That's true. I mean, this was a long time ago. <laughs> you know, it's, right. it's hard to remember even. But, I mean, it was, all, it was all, there was so much happening right then. There was everything. You know, it was like um, going to college, the psychedelics, the friendships, the, um, the I don't know, I was in Woodstock, let me say. <laughs> you, you were. I was at Woodstock, oh, yes. Really? <laughs> I'm an original. <laughs> You know, so it's like, yes, yeah, my big claim to fame in some circles. You know, so it was like everything. And like, you know, it was just when uh, Ramdas hadn't come out with Be Here Now yet, but there were, you know, the early psychedelic books and then, mm. you know, the East and, right. you know, all of that. And so it was just like, whoa. Right, right. So when you, you went to India the first, that first time, just talk a little bit about the initial, the initial impressions and feelings. And yeah. Well, you were, and you went to Bodh Gaya, you yeah. went to where yeah. the Buddha was. Eventually, like, yeah, yeah. Fairly quickly. Uh, three months or three so. Three months. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Tell us about it. What was it like? Well, 
It was overwhelming. It was intense. It was fantastic. I loved it, you know, from the first moment I arrived. Before I had left, when I was still in Buffalo, um, Chogum Trungpa Rinpoche came through. It was his first time to the United States. I don't know who did his tour, so he ended up in Buffalo, but uh, he spoke at this other university, and so that was like my first real-life Buddhist, as far as I knew. Mine too. And, uh, Very much so. So I went to his lecture, and he asked for written questions afterwards, and then, uh, so I wrote out the question, I'm leaving for India in, I don't know, four days or something, I'm leaving for India in four days with some friends, can you suggest where I can go to study Buddhist meditation? So there's like this big pile of questions in front of him, you know, and he pulls out the piece of paper, and he reads it out loud, and he's silent for a moment, and then he says, I think you had perhaps best follow the pretense of accident. And that was it. I think you had perhaps best follow the pretense of accident. So there's no, like, handy monastery guidebook, you know, addresses, nothing, you know. So so I went in, sort of in that mode, and I knew the Dalai Lama was in Dharamsala. I knew he was a Buddhist, so I started out there. And, um, and yet it was one of those situations that just didn't work, even though they were, of course, fantastic teachers and lamas, you know, I'd go to them because I really wanted to learn how to meditate. That was my my big thing. And and so uh, I'd go to the meditation class and they'd say, oh, the translator left town for two weeks, you know, come back. And so I'd come back and, were, you know, the lama had to go to the dentist who's at the other end of India. We don't know when he's coming back. And, mm-hmm. you know, so it just went on and on and on and on. And then I was in a Tibetan restaurant there. And I overheard this conversation where um, these women were talking about an international yoga conference that was about to happen in New Delhi. So, so I thought, oh, I'll go there. I'll meet my teacher. And so I went back down to New Delhi, and it was a really dispiriting affair. It was, it was terrible. The, the uh, low point was probably when these yogis and swamis were up on the stage pushing and shoving against each other to be the first to grab the mic and speak. And I thought, this is hopeless. But Danny Goldman was presenting a paper at that conference. He gave a talk, and he said he was on his way to this town called Bodhgaya to do an intensive 10-day meditation retreat, which didn't have a lot of cultural baggage, and it was all, you know, uh, kind of the straight stuff, and that Ramdas would be there. And I thought, I'm going to go. That's it. Mm. And I was right. That was it. And I went with uh, Mirabai and... Uh, like 50 or 80 other people who'd also been at the yoga conference and mm. we arrived in Bodh Gaya and, and uh, went into this 10 day retreat so that was it yeah. the rest is history folks because Sharon I don't want to embarrass her but as far as I'm concerned there's a few teachers who came from that tradition that we all went into or many of us back then I wasn't there in the beginning I went there later <laughs> that picked up on the Vipassana tradition, and Sharon and a couple of other people, Joseph and Jack, are preeminent teachers. And uh, uh, we recommend, and I have recommended on other podcasts, when they say, what kind of meditation, what can we do? You know, we know that meditation can help us. What can we do? And it's always, to anybody, whether on a podcast or not, Vipassana is so effective. And uh, so for anybody who's listening or watching out there, um, please, where's the, tell us the name of the center and where they can go. My center? Yes. 
Uh, it's the Insight Meditation Society in Barry, Massachusetts. Uh, and I and many of the teachers who teach there teach everywhere. So uh, my website is probably the best way to find me, which is just SharonSalzberg.com. There you go. So take advantage. Um, you know, I have found, and I told you off camera a little bit about uh, our friends who have turned us on to podcasting. And we've been, I've been doing stuff with Ram Dass and, mm -hmm. and now with David uh, through the Mind Rolling thing. And um, we have reached, or it's starting to reach, the, a younger generation, that generation which we were back then. And David and I have kind of linked up a bunch of characteristics of what was going on at that time with the characteristics mm -hmm. of what's going on mm -hmm. now, the pressures, and obviously economic now, mm -hmm. there's a war, and so on, there's many, and there seems to be a real desire from this generation, and we're experiencing it because many people are coming to the table saying, hey, we want some of this information, but we want it in the way that'll help us through smartphones, and podcasts, you know, all of that. Um, and, and a lot of it is really they want down-to-earth information. You know, they don't want complicated, um, arcane language from either Tibetan or Hindu or Buddhist sources. Mm -hmm. And so we've we've been talking about it in the way those ways that really have mm -hmm. helped us. Mm -hmm. So, can you just talk a little bit about how, when you started then to get into a meditative practice, what are some of the practical ways that you were helped with? mind stuff, emotion stuff, and, and, and you know, negative mm -hmm. stuff. Mm -hmm. Well, the first thing probably was actually just being able to concentrate a little bit, you know, which mm -hmm. is the first, often the foundational exercise and just being with your breath or, or some object of meditation. Because the thing I saw right away was that my attention was scattered to the four winds. I was like everywhere, and, mm -hmm. you know, like so distracted and so uncentered and so fragmented, really. And uh, just that process, first of all, that's shocking, of course, you know, like, whoa, you know, I thought it was calm enough, but, you know, no. uh, but that's a good realization, of course, to have, even though it's a little shocking. And, and over time, just, just sort of seeing um, kind of that weaving together of my being that happened much more mm -hmm. just from being able to stabilize my attention a little bit and mm -hmm. having, having more centeredness was probably the the first really remarkable thing. And then, of course, there's, you know, there's the whole process of realizing, as we do, that we are not our thoughts, that the thoughts come and go, that we don't have to be so identified and, and lost, and that also nothing lasts forever. And the things that we, we tend to grab onto and, and uh, reaffine, make a whole self-image out of, they pass. And so um, it's, it's really a revolutionary process. It's funny to me because sometimes meditation seems um, or its reputation is so much about being quiet yeah. you know and kind of quietistic almost but it's really very radical in, in that transformative ability mm. Which it does stir things up uh, as well oh yeah <laughs> I mean, these courses that we went to there was a lot of odd things that happened with people indeed <laughs> expressive emotion things that happened that really scared other people that were in the course one of the things I wanted to, to talk about is that many people, and young people, who are starting to meditate will say that it's, they have great difficulty. Yeah. 
And one of the things that you've said many times, which really helped me, was not having, not getting hung up on coming back, mm -hmm. and the wonderful opportunities to keep coming back. Mm -hmm. Would you just expand that a little? Because that really helps people to relax and start to meditate mm -hmm. and not be full of the anxiety that people mm -hmm. certainly work out with. Yeah. Please talk yeah. about that. Well, I often say, as it's true, like I, I went to India, spent a little more than a year, my allotted year, came back and finished school, went back to India, and then finally came back in 1974. And um, uh, at that point, my uh, own teacher had asked me to begin teaching, so I, I kind of came back as a teacher in a way. And I'd be at a party or some social situation, and somebody would say to me, well, what do you do? And I'd say, I teach meditation. And they would kind of go, ew, <laughs> that's weird. Or, did you meet the Beatles? <laughs> you know, which I sadly never did. You know, but, um, but now, you know, that was 1974. And now, all these years later, if I'm, even weird places like coming back into the country through customs or something, where someone will say, what do you do? I'll say, I teach meditation. The single most common response I hear is, I'm so stressed out. I could really use some of that. Although I also hear, which I really like, my partner should really meet you. <laughs> but then I also hear, which concerns me a lot, I tried that once and I failed at it. I, I couldn't do it because I couldn't stop my thoughts, have only beautiful thoughts, keep the sleepiness at bay, you know, not be restless, whatever it is one's images or expectation is. And, and that's why I think some amount of clarity and whether it comes from a teacher or a book or a tape or community or however uh, it might arrive, some amount of clarity really helps us so we don't bring our ordinary habits of self-judgment right into the process and have it really uh, infuse the, the effort. And so one of my beliefs early on in my own practice was that it was kind of a, a cumulative thing, like, okay, maybe today I can only bring with, be with two breaths before my mind starts to wander, tomorrow it'll be eight, you know, next week it'll be 48, and then, you know, it'll grow that way. And I, it took a long time for me to understand that. It wasn't a question of trying to measure the process in that way. It was much more about strengthening the ability to let go and start again. You know, so maybe it's only one breath, maybe it's two breaths, maybe it's five breaths, and then you get completely lost in some, something or another, and then comes that moment when you realize, oh, it's been quite some time since I last mm. felt a breath, mm. that's the moment that's really critical because that's the moment we practice letting go and we are actually practicing compassion for ourselves and coming back. And if you have to do that 70 billion times every time you sit, it's great. It's not a waste. It's not because you're not good enough to do the real thing. That is the real mm. thing. It's like 70 yeah. billion blessings. Yeah. 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 Just start over. Just yeah. start over. No, but it's very hard to believe because it doesn't fit our conditioning. Yeah. Just like it didn't fit mine. Yeah. I think that one of the things that many people talk about who don't, who aren't practicing and following any kind of defined path and they're just opening up to it, the basic concept of how can we be happy? I mean, I talked about that in the beginning. That, that was a thought I had because I was really unhappy. Mm -hmm. when I was a teenager. Mm -hmm. I mean, like you said in the talk to Dave, you know, in one of these other podcasts that we did, without Bob Dylan, I don't know what I would have done because it just expressed mm -hmm. what we were feeling. And, and there was somebody else. So 
that's an important concept too mm -hmm. that I'd like to talk about. The fact that there are other people mm -hmm. sharing, mm -hmm. mean, you know, it's very meaningful. But I mean, you you've written a wonderful book about happiness. Thank you. Called Real Happiness. What is real happiness? <laughs> well, actually, I find it interesting, and, and you can tell me about the younger people you're encountering because um, if we were yearning for happiness and that was an okay thing to want and we were willing to journey very far in order to try to find it I think uh, often these days there's much more cynicism mm. and I don't know you know again about younger people but uh, there is a lot of cynicism about happiness and is it just selfish and mm being self-absorbed and I mean I saw that the title of the book is Real Happiness and I saw that when I went on the book tour you know town after town people would come see me and they'd say well haven't you ever seen that bumper sticker that says if you're not depressed you're not paying attention <laughs> and I'd say well yeah I have actually you know not only that they talked about it in the last town but you know besides that I, I think and I, I know what it means and I agree to some extent but you know being happy isn't really the same as being conflict avoidant and living on the surface of things and forgetting everyone else and forgetting the pain people are in. It's something much finer. And, uh, you know, so I, I considered happiness um, a sense of inner abundance and, and a sense of inner resourcefulness so that even in a difficult or damaging situation, we can touch something that's intact. And in a great situation, a wonderful, delightful, here we are in Hawaii, you know, right. uh, we don't have to be that distracted um, or feel undeserving, right. you know, something like that. You know, so it's just an inner state of, of being in touch with our experience in a different way. That's great. Absolutely wonderful. And a great message because it is completely misconstrued what happiness yeah. is. You know, yeah. It is. But... Yes, we are encountering um, people in their 20s and 30s, and the level of, there seems to be an edge taken off that level of cynicism. Mm -hmm. There's a big level of cynicism as to what's going on now with our political system, yeah. um, with obviously the, the economic system, mm -hmm. the haves and the have-nots and so on. So there's mm -hmm. a lot of cynicism there. Um, but there seems to be a genuine call for individually. I want to be more balanced. I don't want to be pulled apart mm -hmm. by all of these things. I don't want to have tremendous anger. This one, um, and we'll mention him because he's our mentor. He's our guru, yeah. Duncan Trussell, who has this amazing podcast. And he, uh, and Hi, we, had, <laughs> we had one podcast with him where he started talking about um, really... He's about 30, isn't he? 30, he's he's 35. Yeah, he's young to me. Yeah. Fairly. Yeah. Yes. yes. We don't want to get into that. No, 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 we keep coming up with this reference to ourselves as, as being altacockers, yeah, which so not. we aren't. Thank so, you. Uh, <laughs> Duncan started railing out about <coughs> the government and what they... I think we started talking about... We, we were, were talking about the draft, yeah. and I said that in 1968 there were marches in the streets because the upper middle class men didn't mm -hmm. want to go to, and they knew it with a 4F, they could 
but they still protested because they were scared stiff of being sent to Vietnam. There's no draft now. There's no marching in the streets to speak yeah. of. So there isn't that kind of catalyst. But what happened with Raghu, which is really interesting, was that Duncan suddenly started ranting about the present state of affairs, saying well, that they were getting all awful these... and the CIA were everywhere. And well, Big they were getting so the on. soldiers out of the ghettos. There isn't a draft, but the yes, people that are supplying, said. that are dying in, in Iraq and Afghanistan, they're pulling, because there's no work. So the they're, they're, they're pulling from the ghetto, and it's that saying, kind of... You know, that this is, these people have no choice in many cases. But what I think is interesting was that he got so out of state that Raghu, in typical fashion, said, Whoa, wait a minute, all this hatred, all this negativity, this guy. He was you, really uptight. He was so uptight. Somehow detach from this. I couldn't get Because it's going to kill us all, you know? And he did. And then he called us and said it was kind of a big moment in his life. Because no one had ever called him on it before, really. And he said, We know that's true. You know, the society is dystopic or whatever word you want to use, but you can't allow yourself to go crazy through it. And let's speak about that a little bit. You know, how, how does one, particularly if one is 23, deal with the environmental problems, for instance. We just found out that, you know, the climate change stuff, we just found out how much worse it is. 3% last year, not 2 And all the Kyoto things down the toilet. You know, how does a young person deal with that? From your point of view, what is the best fundamental technique to go to, if you like? Not technique, but you know what I mean? Like, what, what do you do mm -hmm. with this situation? Well, I, I mean, for me, the fundamental technique is, and it's not a bad phrase, actually, uh, is kind of a meditative process because it helps me, it helps me, first of all, to connect to a different sense of integrity. It helps me connect to a different sense of time and a different kind of possibility. It's like being older now. <laughs> I have the wisdom, as we do, you know, of looking back, and I can see how many times... I thought I was doing something to try to make a difference or be of service and uh, didn't seem to be going anywhere. Hmm. And over the years, sometimes when I'm very lucky, uh, it's pointed out to me like, oh, you know, when you gave me that book or you gave that talk or you showed up here or whatever it was, um, it really, it was like planting a seed. Yeah. You know, it did something. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, the things that I've, I've done that, I didn't have a clue if they were having, you know, any Getting kind of there. effect, yeah. you know, and uh, and occasionally it does happen that I get that direct kind of feedback, you know, hey, this this really made a difference, and um, you know, and I, I think that, and kind of going back to meditation. Uh, for me, obviously, I don't know what difference it's going to make, but I, I'm reminded of how little I know in the moment and how I have to do the best I can with just what's right in front of me. Because I do believe in the power of so-called small deeds. Mm. You know, and if everyone just gives up and says the problem is so immense, then, of course, we're going to fry or drown or, you know, it depends on where you are. <laughs> but uh, And we may anyway, but at least we can... Uh, you know, respond wholeheartedly with what we can do, step by step. And also to be able to at least, at least be able to relax somewhat within this. Like, I, I read all of Hamer Children's books, you know. There are similarities in, in, in what you say, which is not surprising. One of them is take, releasing people from 
all kinds of anxiety and stress about not being able to do anything and also not mm -hmm. to be able to continue something that's been working but stops working. Mm. You know, and something you've talked about, getting rid of that guilt. And that really does mm -hmm. help people, help me a lot when I, you know, we were editing the movie that you're in a lot and sometimes I'd see something you said 40 times because we're editing it. And instead, and instead of screaming or something, I suddenly realized, no, no, but I suddenly, we suddenly realized that I needed to hear that at least 40 times, right. to, you know, to de-stress. Uh -huh. it's, it's so important what you say. And, and I mean, talk about getting through. I mean, there's nothing more basic than helping people stop being clenched all the time with everything they're doing. I think you do that without being too psychophantic. I think you do that in such a consummate way that it can't help but have changed a lot of people's self-hatred. Mm. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I, was, I live in Massachusetts, but I have a, at the moment, I have this little sublet apartment in New York City, and I was in Massachusetts for the hurricane, for Hurricane Sandy, and uh, I was on Martha's Vineyard on retreat, and we only had like a six-hour power outage, and that was the extent of it, and my home in Barry only had like an hour, so... It was really nothing but my apartment in New York City. There was no power for six days. Uh, I live on the eighth floor, and I have a neighbor in a wheelchair. You're on the east side, right? You must be no, I'm in the, right in the center, uh, Fifth Avenue. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, I mean, it was all the way from 34th, right. I think, mm. down. Because the, trans um, the transformer blew up Yeah. for the whole downtown area because right. of yeah. whatever. So it was, it was like, you know, I kept thinking, well, how's, how's he, you know, like in a wheelchair on the eighth floor? And, mm. um, first, I was very naive. I just thought of buildings like that must have generators, so at least the elevators work. And of course, they don't. There's no water, you know, and it's just like a mess. So then I, you know, I, I uh, came back in after power was back, and uh, I talked to the doorman of the building right away. And, um, you know, they can't solve... Uh, the climate change problem in one fell swoop, but they're really good people. And so I said, how was the guy, you know, in the wheelchair? And they said, oh, we took care of him. You know, we made sure he was okay. We all, we all pitched in. You know, one guy said to me really proudly, he said, I got here every day. Because, you know, they don't live there. And I said, where, you know, how did you get in? He said, I borrowed a car. I just got in every day. But... You know, there was like no gas too. You know, no, so that it was, was a like nightmare. There were effort. lines miles long and fights and guns and everything. You know, so yeah. that was an incredible. Yeah, it, he said I me. got in every day, and then this other doorman said to me, he said I didn't leave. He said there was power where I live. I only left once to change clothes in six days. He said I just stayed here because we, all, you know, we all had to do it. We had to just like help, help one another. You know, and it was like so beautiful <laughs> to see that. So. Even though the problem is so immense and, and pretty frightening, at the same time you just see that, you know, look at that, look at look at that good-heartedness. Human potential. Yeah. Is real. Yeah. So I want to hear again because we're going to end this segment. Trungpa's thing. I, I mean, it keeps reverberating in my mind. What the line you, that he yeah, said to me. Yeah, the line. Give us the line uh, again. I think you had perhaps best follow the pretense of accident. So this is our recommendation to everybody out there. I think we had all better follow the pretense of accident. David followed it when he listened to that one line of Sharon's for 40, 50 times over and over before it hit him, you know, what he needed. So, uh, and also, uh, we, 
we have a relationship with audible.com and I'm hoping that you all can get some of Sharon's books there certainly real happiness is and, and another one that I love and I've asked her to talk about while she's been at the retreat which has been fantastic we'll do that in another episode about faith uh, from the Buddhist pers perspective it's an important book so uh, get them any way you can get them and Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. Many blessings thank on your, you. your new venture. Yeah, May the mind you. roll. Fabulous. <laughs> there you go, Sharon Salzberg on mind rolling location. Um, and she's just something else. I mean, is she not? Yeah, she's so clear and down to earth, despite the depth of what she's getting into. You don't even notice that because you're so... You know, I find it so recognizable, everything she says. We, we've all had some variant of, of these experiences, and she lets us know how to, you know, how to get out of certain jams yeah. uh, that are usually mental, right? Yeah. And uh, again, we mention, you know, uh, the support for the Mind Rolling podcast, and certainly Audible uh, trial.com slash mind rolling. You go to that. And David, tell me that I, I believe you've told me that so some of Sharon's books are available as audio books from them. Is that not true? Yeah, just check it out on... Uh, when you just go to the audible.com site and look under spirituality or some such subheading, and uh, it's very clear what it is. There's uh, many, many books under the spiritual uh, you know, thing, and under many other interesting ones, too. Health and um, all that kind of thing. Excuse me for my phone ringing there. <laughs> That really adds to our podcast, folks. We have ambient sounds from silver over yeah, there. Yeah, it was actually a special effect to make you get on the phone and phone audible.com. <laughs> <laughs> no, just go to, go to the... But it is important to go to audibletrial.com slash mindrolling because exactly. then, you know, we can reap the benefits of, of your support while you get a book. Yeah, so exactly. It, 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 is, it is kind of a nice way of doing it. Yeah, or go, you know, again, Amazon, go there through that portal or just to donate, uh, hit the donate button. But uh, we uh, thank you again for your participation your creation of community with us and your support, and we'll see you next week. Goodbye. Yeah,